0: there is a very special group of people called grace givers grace givers is a community of people just like you who are passionate about the gospel of jesus christ and about the teaching of god's word if god puts on your heart to become a grace giver that means you stand shoulder to shoulder with me and awaken to grace if you are growing from the sermons we share If you love the gospel that we are spreading, then I invite you to pray about becoming a grace giver. Go to awakeneddegrace.com, click the grace giving link and join our community of gospel spreading people. Today we're in part two of our sermon on spiritual gifts. Welcome to Awaken to Grace, I'm Chad Roberts and we are studying, we are on a journey of studying the spiritual gifts and today is part two of the first week of spiritual gifts. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're only studying verses one, two, and three for this session and then we're gonna continue on throughout the chapter. But today we're gonna see how important the lordship of Jesus is in our lives. We're going to talk about how important it is that we are spiritual people because what we're talking about are spiritual gifts. And if Christ is not the Lord of your life, then how are you going to walk in spiritual gifts? How are you going to have the Holy Spirit activate and empower and enable such gifts within you? So Paul gives us some incredible foundation teaching, and we are going to explore that out in today's episode. I'm so glad that you're joining me today, and I hope you enjoy part two of this sermon on the gifts called The Grace of Spiritual Gifts. I was talking to him this week about the giftings and He told me a wonderful illustration of of how to view the gifts and how they're all used in different functions. He he told me, he said, Chad, picture someone uh, serving a platter of food and they trip and they spill that platter of food. He said, well, you would then see many giftings take, you know, they would jump into the action. He said, said, number one, you would see the gift of helps. And what would the person who has the gift of helps, how would they respond to somebody spilling an entire platter of food? Would they start cleaning up, wouldn't they? They would start putting everything back and wiping down and serving and cleaning up. He said, what would the person with the gift of mercy do? The gift of mercy would be patting the, the person on the back saying, listen, that happens to all of us. We've all spilt things, right? Don't you worry about it. You get right back up there. It's fine. Whereas the person with the gift of, of, uh, uh, you know, prophecy would probably say, I saw that coming. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. And then, you know, you have the person with the gift of teaching. They would be the one saying, come here, let me show you something. We're going to try this again, but this time we're going to do it this way and we're going to do it better. (laughs) You see, there's so many needs around us. And that's why there are so many different gifts. People respond in different ways because they're filled with different giftings. Now, we can be uninformed in our gift. That's verse 1. We can neglect our gift if you know your gift and you refuse to use it or grow in it. You can not only be uninformed. You can not only neglect. You can... uh Uh-oh. What's my third one there? You can... uh, Self-centered. Thank you. You can be self-centered in your gift. What is the purpose that God gave gifts into you? Is so that you can serve the needs of others. So that you can glorify God. So that you can help build the kingdom of God. Now... Let me share with you this. I don't want you to miss this principle. Because we're talking about spiritual gifts. In other words, spiritual graces. Not one person who's born again this morning can say, I don't have any gifts. Every one of you do. If you've received the grace of God. Now, just like not one Christian is without any gifts... So it's also true, not one Christian possesses every gift. Why? Because we're a body. Paul's going to go on and explain that in chapter 12, as well as Romans 12. But we are a body. Uh, The the entire body is not a hand. The entire body is not a leg. And so it is with the spiritual gifts. There isn't one of you who possesses every single spiritual gift that there is. So let's don't get prideful in this, but let's don't have an opposite pride, and and uh, you know, uh, you, do, 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 do you know what a almost a reverse pride is? It's false humility. You know what false humility is? It's someone who would be like, well, oh shucks, I'm not gifted. God hadn't put anything in me. No, no, no. That's not true. That's a a false pride. That's a a false humility. It's a false humility. Except that the same grace that brought you salvation is the same rich grace of God that brought you the giftings. Now, verse number 2, Paul is going to build on his logic. If we're talking about spiritual gifts, now notice verse number 2. He says... Remember how you, when you were pagans, were led astray to mute idols. However you were led. I love that word, remember. Do you know what Paul is doing in verse number 2? Paul is stirring up their remembrance of lostness. He's reminding them of when they were pagans, when they were in their lost condition. What was the first song the worship team began with today? That wonderful song, I Got Saved. I love that song. It says that he got a hold of my life. Jesus got a hold of me. He made me right before God. Do you ever think about who you were before Jesus? Do you ever think about who you were when you were a pagan, when you were lost without Jesus Christ, when you didn't have the love of God stirring in your heart, you didn't know the things of God in your mind? Can you go back to who you were prior to Jesus and the terrible and the awful decisions that you made then that you would never make today because Jesus has made that big of a difference in you? I think what Paul is saying is it's good to go back sometime and remember who you were before Jesus. I'm telling you, for me, I never want to forget. I never want to lose the wonder of my salvation. Peter writes, and he says in 1 Peter, that salvation is so great. He writes, now concerning this salvation, it's so great. He writes, it's things into which angels long to look. Do you know angels are fascinated by your salvation today? Angels are intrigued as to how God would have ever redeemed you and saved you and brought grace to you. Are you as fascinated as the angels are? Are you as intrigued as the angels are? Do you look into your salvation the way they do? Do you see what I'm saying? Who were you before Jesus? What happened when you met Jesus? Who have you been since Jesus? And what Paul is doing. Now remember, he's talking about spiritual matters. He's talking about spiritual gifts. And what he says is, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed of this huge and this vital topic. And here's what I want you to do. Remember who you were when you were pagans. Remember who you were before Jesus changed you. How you were led astray by mute idols. Now, I love this. I love the way Paul words this. Mute. I think what he he means by mute is literally it means unhelpful. Without benefit. In other words, it means that these idols had absolutely no ability to help you. And then he uses the word idols here. Now, in our culture, if you're like me growing up, especially in this region, if you're like me, when I think of idol worship, I literally think of a carven statue that people bow down and worship. Right? A pastor's wife from India came to the United States a few years ago. And, of course, there, there are many statues. There are many graven images. There are many idol worship going on. I had an opportunity some years ago to go to Southeast Asia and as I traveled through the Orient there, every shop you went into, every shop had a statue of Buddha with fresh fruit and incense burning before him. Every shop. I went to the Dai Temple on the Cambodian and the Vietnamese border And in this temple, they had the largest statue I'd ever seen, probably, you could probably Google it, it probably was 40, 50 feet tall. And in this Khaldai temple, I'm talking not 15 people or 25 people or even 50 people, I'm talking hundreds of people, hundreds of Vietnamese were bowing down, worshiping this great large image. And it broke my heart. But you know what this pastor's wife from India said? She came to America and she said, There are far more idols in America than there are in India. Why would she say that? Because you know what the real definition of an idol is? Well, Let's just break this down. An idol is a fake and a pretend god. Okay? Let's break it down a step further. An idol is anything in your life that you put in the place of God. Your job security. Your retirement. Your children. Your spouse. That dream home you're aiming for. Whatever whatever it is that you put on the throne of your heart and you put in the place of God, that is an idol. And you may not bow down to it, but let me tell you, my friend, if you give all your energy to it and you give all your financial resources to it and your happiness hinges upon it and your joy is all wrapped up in it, Guess what you have, my friend? You have an idol. And Paul is going to get this junk out of the way. So what is an idol? It's a fake. It's a pretend God. It's something that you put in the place of God. It's something that your happiness hinges on. But let's take it one step further. An idol is anything in our life that says, come to me and I will give you rest. Only Jesus can say that. Only Jesus can fulfill that. And if there is anything in your life that you try to find rest or joy or satisfaction in other than Jesus, my friend, it's an idol. So Paul says, do you remember What it was like when you were led astray by unhelpful, unbeneficial idols? Do you remember what it was like when you put things in the place of Jesus because you didn't have the knowledge? And then he goes, however you were led, whatever it was, insert the blank, whatever it was that led you away, however you were led away, whatever it was wrong. Now, watch what he's going to say in verse 3, and this is wonderful. Therefore... Here's the conclusion. Paul's going to wrap up his thought right here with verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand. Now, link the word understand in verse 3 with the word uninformed in verse 1. You see how Paul's just going to thread this through for us? He's going to thread the needle here. He's going to say, I want you what you don't understand in verse 1, what you're uninformed in in verse 1, what you're agnostic to, what you're ignorant in in verse number 1. Now I want you to understand in verse number 3. Do you see where Paul's going? And he says, therefore, I want you to understand No one speaking by the Spirit of God will say Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now where's Paul going here? I thought we're talking about gifts. Oh, we are. But don't miss this. If verse number one is about the grace of God in the spiritual gifts, and if verse number two is about our salvation and that we're no longer pagans, we're no longer unbelievers, we're no longer follow fake and pretend and mute idols, then verse number three is about the lordship of Jesus Christ in each of our lives. And this is the argument that I believe Paul is making. I think what Paul is saying is don't be ignorant. Don't be uninformed about spiritual giftings. But here's the thing. If Jesus is not Lord in your life, then how will you ever activate spiritual gifts? How will you ever live a spiritual life if you're still pursuing idols? How will you be a spiritual man, a spiritual woman, a spiritual student if you are pursuing the idols of life and Jesus is not Lord over you? Does that make sense to you? So before we can get to the wonderful gifts, we got to get this foundation first that my life solely belongs to Jesus and I don't pursue any other idols. I don't go to any other thing to try to find rest for my soul. I don't try to put any fake or pretend God on the throne of my heart. Jesus and Jesus alone is there. So what does it mean? What does he mean? No one can speak who is of the Spirit of God. No one can speak that Jesus is a curse. What's he saying? I think the essence of what he's saying is no one, if you have the Spirit of God truly inside you, you're not going to oppose the Lordship of Jesus. Since I've been a pastor now for many years, <clears throat> I've had a handful of conversations with people that just, it just stunned me. I've had a handful of people literally tell me, I have no problem with God My problem is with Jesus Christ. Then according to this verse, they do not have the Spirit of God in them. Because no one, speaking of the Spirit, is going to say Jesus is accursed. In other words, no one is going to oppose the Lordship of Jesus. But vice versa, no one in... Likewise is not going to say Jesus is Lord except he speak by the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference? The phrase Jesus is Lord is the oldest and most beautiful anthem of the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. So I want to ask you today, is Jesus Lord over every area of your life? Is Jesus Lord over your marriage? Is Jesus Lord over your singleness? Is Jesus Lord in your parenting? Is Jesus Lord in your financial dealings? Is Jesus Lord in your employment? Is Jesus Lord over your decisions? Is Jesus Lord over your affections? And the matters of the heart. Is Jesus Lord over all of you? Because, friends, before you can begin walking in the empowerment of the enabled gifts of the Holy Spirit, Jesus must be Lord. Because the giftings is not your abilities. They are not your natural talents. They are not your interests or your hobbies. They are not things that you have a knack for. Spiritual gifts are solely designed and solely deposited by the Holy Spirit Himself. But only to people who Jesus is Lord. Are you in that group? Have you made Jesus Lord over your life? If not, you need to do that today. You need to say, God, I come to you a pagan, an unbeliever, someone undone without Jesus. I've made awful decisions in life. There are terrible sins in my past. But Jesus, I come to you because I don't want any idols in my life. You, Jesus, are the one who says, come to me and I will give you rest. So Jesus, I come to you today. All of me. All my mistakes. All of my failures. All of my wrongs. All of my sins. And I make you Lord of my life. And you know what will happen? The Holy Spirit will save you. You'll become born again. And he'll put within you precious and wonderful and various and diverse gifts. So that your life will be used to the glory of God. But first, Jesus must be Lord. There must be no idols in your life let's bow our heads today those of you watching online or listening online you pray with me as well please is Jesus Lord to you or is Jesus a religion to you Jesus must be Lord see you and I are living in a day of spirituality oh there's all kinds of people spiritual spiritual and see, many people today would say, well, I'm, I'm okay because I'm spiritual. I don't need church. I don't need organized religion. I don't need Jesus. I don't need that salvation stuff. I'm spiritual all on my own. Friends, the Word of God disagrees with you. Is Jesus a religion to you? Is spirituality important to you or is Jesus being the Lord of your life, the master, everything? Don't miss that. This month, we're going to dive deep into scripture and we're going to see, oh, what? (laughs) I just can't tell you. I'm probably more excited about next week's sermon than any sermon I've ever preached in my entire life but don't miss oh don't miss verse 3 you must be born again it's like if a baseball player hit a deep ball into up against the, the fence and He rounded first and rounded second and rounded third and headed for home. He may may make it home without being thrown out, but what happens if that player missed first base? What if he didn't tag first base? You know what the umpire is going to call him? Out. And I'm concerned today that some of you You're rounding the second base of worship music. You're rounding the third base of Bible reading and you come to church and you have an interest in spiritual matters. You have an interest in spiritual things. But friend, you've not tagged first base. You've never given Jesus all of you. You've never repented of your sins. And what a shame it would be to have an interest in spiritual things and be among God's people and desire to know more about God, but then one day get to heaven and they call you out. Because you never tagged first base. You skipped it. Don't skip verse 3. Make Jesus Lord. It's been well said. Either Jesus will be Lord of all or He will not be Lord at all.